this, narrator advises that the listener digest the following as entertainment. The showrunners behind it are neither six-figure filmmakers nor professional critics. They are casually critical. Welcome to Casually Critical. It's a podcast show starring two pals who love to talk about storytelling. I'm your host, Daniel Carpenter. And I'm James Newton, your co-host. We're going to start spinning the smoothest jazz you could ever imagine for your night commute, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm James Newton, your co-host. For those of you who are curious, we will be starting this review free of spoilers. Our casual correspondence segment will follow, and then we will end this episode with a spoiler-filled discussion. Today, we're going to be discussing Pixar's latest and greatest, Onward. Daniel, could you tell us about Onward? I'd love to. Onward is about uh, two brothers who are elves. They go on this adventure when they discover that their long-dead father has actually left them a present for both when they turn 16. Turns out it's a spell that can bring him back physically for 24 hours. Um, They accidentally activate the spell, which results in them summoning back half of their dad from the waist down, his pants and his shoes. And then they go on an adventure to find the ingredients necessary to complete the spell and hopefully reunite with their father. I feel like there's a two and a half men joke I could make here. (laughs) But I think that, that that was the joke right there. I think we'll just call it there. Two and a half elves. But I mean, I guess I guess we should know best, though, Daniel, since since we were there for the whole shoot, we were. You know, we were the two main actors. Apparently, there are many of you that have pointed out that the two brother characters in the movie actually resemble James and I quite a bit. And I, I think I would agree with that for the most part. Um, I think there are there's quite a bit of, uh, I don't know if I want to say buzz, but it is interesting that Pixar, after many years of doing sequel or prequel or spinoff, they're finally returning back to original content and to... To boot, this is a F- Pixar's first film without any involvement whatsoever from John Lasseter. And I think the question we have to ask, and the question I'd like you to answer first, James, oh is, boy. is this film a worthy successor to the legacy in Pixar's pantheon of motion picture entertainment? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It does things a little bit differently. Uh, and I think that people would say that it's not up to snuff with other Pixar films because of that. Um, but I think that it's a worthy addition. I think that, um, the subject matter at hand is, is great, uh, and tackled well. I could say that there are, there are some things about it that would make people believe otherwise, but I personally think that it's a good addition. What do you think? For me, there's an issue I have with this movie and I can't decide if it's an issue with the movie or an issue with me. (laughs) Hmm. Um, but before I get into that, I do want to say, as is always, The animation is incredible in this. Pixar has continued what appears to be a more recent trend of even though the characters are cartoonish, every single other thing is photorealistic. The cars, the roads, the lighting, the the atmosphere, everything just seems so real. And I I love that. It's it's every single frame in this movie is gorgeous to watch. Every frame of painting, you could say. Um, (laughs) And the story is 
airtight. Like I've thought about the scenes, I've thought about everything, and the world justifies the characters. It's a lot like Zootopia. So Zootopia is about animals, and their plot is animal-related. It's about the animals, and it's about the world. You know, Star Wars has the Force and the Jedi, and all the plots are about the Force and the Jedi. This movie takes place in a hybrid fantasy-slash-modern-day world where both of those genres combine, which is an interesting and kind of quirky mix, and yet... The story is about that. It justifies the world that it's in and kind of explores that medium. So on paper, this is a good story. And there's a lot I liked about the characters and little bits and pieces of the world. But if I were to be perfectly honest, I didn't necessarily connect with it. Um, All of the really emotional moments I saw in this movie all happened at the beginning of the film. And I'm not going to touch on them for risk of spoiling some of that for the audience. Overall, I just didn't feel like this movie connected that well for me or that deep. I don't know if it's to do with the fact that they're, I don't know, most of the time their dad's pair of pants or or what have you, but I just wasn't as invested in this. The whole journey kind of felt hollow to me in a sense. Uh, I liked the journey, but I wasn't necessarily rooting for the destination. And I think for that reason and that reason alone, I think this movie is not held in such high esteem for me. And I'll be honest, I don't really know why that's the case. It could be a lack of stakes, I feel. Uh, It could be the fact that I kind of predicted where this movie was going to go, and the stuff I didn't predict really didn't affect the overall story for me. Did you feel the same way? Did you feel like something was kind of lackluster about the plot, or it was kind of hollow? No, um... I, I can't say that I, I really connect with with what you're getting at. Um, mm. And I think I think I can understand. I think um, just looking over what some other people's opinions on the film, um, just to sort of round out my own and, and make sure that I'm covering all my bases here. Um, sure. Some people have like equated it to other Pixar movies and said like, this didn't make me feel the same way or the story mm. was not as original. And I just... I I have to disagree. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I have to disagree with that. But but from what you're saying, yeah, I just I can't quite get in the headspace of of what exactly what exactly it is. I just feel like they could have gone deeper, though. I have no idea how. Yeah, I think some of it might have to do with the idea that uh, Onward was potentially rushed. It's rumored that Onward was rushed by Disney. I don't know if I don't know if the story this movie being rushed has anything to do with it. Um, Perhaps we can discuss this more in our spoiler review. I feel like yeah. there we can be a bit more unrestrained with our thoughts and yeah. kind of openly process this. But I am curious, James, what did you like about this movie, and and what made you uh, what what did you enjoy about it? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think something that I really enjoyed about this movie, and if we're gonna talk about other Pixar movies, I'm gonna come talk about the other movies that this director made. Uh, Dan Scanlon, he did Monsters University as well. And a lot of people don't like Monsters University. I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was good. I think Onward was better. Mm. And I think it's better in my mind because Dan Scanlon was sharing his, his story. So he and his brother didn't ever know their dad. Uh, one day they were looking through some, uh, some stuff in storage and they found some tapes, uh, with recordings of their dad's voice. 
Um, and Dan Scanlon always said that like it felt like magic and it felt like he was in the room whenever we were listening to his voice. So he wanted to create a movie about that and about growing up without a dad. It was a story that Dan Scanlon wanted to tell, and it was his story, as opposed to Monsters University, which was Disney's story. But also, the tonal balance of this film, I thought, was really good. I thought that there were a lot of good emotional notes um, mm. that were balanced with a good sense of fun, and not in a neck-break sort of way that you would get in some animated films, where there's like a buzzkill character that comes in and makes a joke. Right. Um, and you can think of a few of those the characters were both emotionally invested in the story and did not exist solely as comic reliefs to comment on the story. Pixar does a great job of rounding out their characters. I think every single character in this story is dimensional in a certain way. And I'm not saying mm. that they were all well fleshed out, but each character had something to them that was like, okay, this is a person. This is not a piece of cardboard that exists for a joke. Uh, another thing that I will say about this uh, movie um, is that, it does a pretty good job of something that you've mentioned before, Daniel, uh, that you've you've mentioned. I don't think you've even mentioned on the podcast before, but you've call it you call it scene economy. Um, mm. And I don't know if you got that from somewhere, if that's from your own brain. I wouldn't doubt if it was from it's your own, own brain because you're it's my an intelligent man. Uh, I'm just flattering you left and right this podcast. Oh, um, stop. <laughs> never. <laughs> you're my brother. Um, <laughs> you're my brother, Anakin. I loved you. <laughs> you underestimate my power. You can't be both characters. Can you, would you mind, even though it's my term, would you define for people what scene economy is? Yeah, of course, of course. Let's see if I can remember what you told me in the past. Uh, <laughs> basically, every scene has more than one purpose. So I think in some films, if you break them down to their core elements, the goal of a scene is to make something funny or to develop a character or pr to progress the plot. Um but I would say uh, a lot of scenes, I wouldn't say every scene in this film, but a lot of these scenes, a lot of these core scenes had good scene economy in the sense that it brought the characters closer together, uh, it progressed to the plot, it developed character, um, an individual character, uh, and it was also very entertaining and it was very fun. I would say that this movie is very effective with its scenes and its writing in progressing the plot, developing characters, having fun. The way I've seen scene economy is obviously some scenes are going to be more economic than others. Yeah. Uh, economic in the terms of they have more than one usefulness to them. So it might reveal something later on. It might explore something like you talked about. But um, good movies have scene economy. Their scenes have more than one purpose. And it makes for a richer experience. If your characters go off on a little side quest and that side quest has good scene economy, it's not going to feel like a waste because although your characters aren't going towards the goal right away, there's still something being explored there. Whether it's in the character, whether it's in uh, their flaws, their insecurities, their relationship they have. Um, Pixar still, there's an intelligence there. There's, a, there's thoughtfulness there. And I think that even at their worst, Pixar shows people what family entertainment should be like yeah if i had it my way pixar would have more rivals because i feel in that way they'd at least push each other in terms of their quality yeah and hopefully elevate the genre of family entertainment to a new level uh, but that has yet to happen so yeah. because of that that's why i'm a little bit more tough on pixar i want them to do better i yeah. want them to kind of push the bar higher and higher for family entertainment and I, I totally understand that. 
Yeah, I, I hold Pixar to a higher standard too. And I think Disney is too bogged down with its own legacy to move that bar ahead. They've tried with new franchises like Zootopia and other things, but it's very clear that Disney has such a distinct brand and they're too big to the point where it's more about appeasing their investors and people that love Disney rather than just general audiences. Right. Their audience is no longer the average moviegoer. Their audience is people that love and know about Disney. Yeah. I would say Disney in some ways is sort of like a giant, uh, sort of a an armored truck that you would drive to the bank. It's full of so much money and there's so many people invested in it, it can't drive too fast. Mm. Um, it, it takes its time. It's so slow sluggish even uh to the point where it falls behind in storytelling they're just so concerned about security that yeah it's going to be harder for them to get anywhere physically yeah. yeah wrapping this up would you recommend this movie and why okay um yes i would recommend this movie because i think that it's got a great message i think that it's fun i think that it's funny i give this movie a four out of five I would recommend this movie. If Even if you're a Pixar diehard, I think the one thing you can have going against you walking into this is playing the comparison game with Pixar's other films. It's clear they're trying something new here. John Lasseter is no longer a part of Pixar, and I think that was what gave them a lot of the confident creative backbone. Of course, over time, they developed more of a backbone than just John Lasseter. Yeah. But even given that, there's a lot that Pixar has been working against. And I think given all that, they are succeeding at something here. They're still pushing original content. They want to create. And they're not going to let the fall of one of their big creatives stop them from doing that. And I think that's inspiring. But from the movie's own terms and the movie's own merits, the characters are very well fleshed out. And there's a lot of interesting conversations that can be had from the message that this movie is trying to convey. However, for me, there's a bit of a hollowness there in terms of me connecting with the story itself and even the emotional center, which we're going to touch on more in our spoiler review. But for all intents and purposes, while this isn't the best Pixar film, this is still a good film. For that, I'm giving it a 3.5 out of 5. <laughs> What's this? The mailbox is empty. James, where did our correspondence go? I don't know. It's really echoey in here. Hello? James, are you, what did you find in the mailbox? Anything from our fans? No. Do we have fans? I don't know. So I guess we don't have fans, huh? I guess not. Here's, here's an idea. I have an experiment. To find okay. out if we actually have fans... Uh, if you're out there, anybody's actually listening, if it's not just me and my mom, and maybe Daniel too, my question for you uh, would be, what is one film that you've seen uh, that we have yet to talk about and you want to hear about? Daniel and I are still in our fledgling episodes of this season and our schedule, uh, we have a lot of ideas for what we want to talk about, but we want to hear what you guys uh, want reviewed as well. Um, so we would love to hear your feedback um, if you've got any ideas. Check out the plug, and then we're going to dive into our spoiler review. Here goes. Want to join the conversation? Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Casually Critical Podcast to get the inside scoop on future episodes. 
feel free to message us on either platform to join in the casual correspondence or provide feedback on the show. Now it's time to dive into our spoiler review. Howdy, partner. It's spoiler time. (laughs) All right, as always, we're beginning our spoiler review now, so if you don't want spoilers for Pixar's Onward, you should not listen to this part. Yep. Run as far as you can from this from this device that you're listening to. So let's talk a bit more about this film in more detail. And I think I've thought this through in my head as we've been recording, so I can kind of perhaps be a bit more specific with my explanations, throw around some ideas with you of ways I feel the movie could have been better, and perhaps one specific issue that may not be an issue, but I want to talk about it. Okay. Here's my perhaps controversial opinion. Yeah. I think in order to make this a better story... Their dad, even as pants, should not have been in the whole film. Okay. Uh, explain. I, I'm not furious with you. I don't think he was necessary. His, I don't think his, his crotch to toes were necessary in this movie. There's only two scenes in this movie that I got teary-eyed at, and they're all at the beginning of the film. One is when Ian is listening to the actual audio recording of his dad trying to interact with him. And I, that was a great scene. It was beautifully yeah. done. And the other was the first few seconds they had with the pair of pants where they let him know that it's Mm. them by, you know, Chris Pratt's character tapping on his feet the way he did with him as a baby. And there's just so much power in just the way the pants, you know, he rests like their dad rests his feet on theirs. And there's a connection there. And I loved that. But here's the problem that I have with this movie as a whole. This is a quest-based storyline, and as a moviegoer, I've already made a few assumptions in my mind once I get an idea of the plot. One is, okay, we've got to get the Phoenix Gem, I think is what it's called. Yeah. So I'm thinking in my head, well, of course they're going to get the gem. Like, that's never that was never a question in my mind. I'm like, here's what's going to happen. They're going to go on this quest. They're going to get the gem. They're going to use the gem to bring back their dad. Change my mind. (laughs) (laughs) And they go on a quest, they get the gem, and one of them gets to see their dad. Granted, there are two things at the climax that I think were pretty cool to watch. Yeah. One was Chris Pratt's character was going to sacrifice himself for Tom Holland so that his character could see their dad. Yeah. And yet, that doesn't happen. Uh, It's the other way around. Tom Holland sacrifices himself. And I thought that was a cool reversal. I love that. It's also really clever to see all of the challenges in the final battle and how his knowledge of magic comes in handy when yeah. he loses his staff and the slivers there. I'm like, that is a great that callback. That was really cool. Very clever. I yeah. was like, that. that's awesome. That's really cool. And it's all his brother's training that allows him to defeat the dragon or mm-hmm. at least allow his mother to defeat the dragon. Yes. She's a mighty um, warrior. The other thing, too, is the fact that Tom Holland's character never truly gets to interact with their dad. Yeah. Which is tragic, but at the same time, very noble. Like, it's crazy. And when we learn more about Chris Pratt's character, the fact that his last memory of his dad was it never became a memory because he was too scared to walk into the hospital room and see his dad. That that was very good. I just didn't feel they explored that enough. Hmm. So to summarize what I'm trying to say, hopefully, and coming across effectively in this is the question that the pants posed, (laughs) (laughs) the question they posed was, would they get to see their dad in his entirety? Like, how long would they get to have with their dad? How long would they actually get to talk with him? If they did not have the pants in there, the question would be, do they get to see their dad at all? 
And I think the fact that we don't see anything of their dad, we just hear his voice, we see his pictures, that makes it a little bit more real for me. Yeah. That being said, there's an inherent tragedy with this film. Um, And something I think I have personal beef with these kind of hybrid fantasy genres where it's the modern world meets fantasy. If the world's moved away from magic, there's going to be no way that these two brothers on their own personal quest are able to convince the world to regain magic. And it's like you were talking about this theme of lost wonder. And I don't know, there's this hesitation I have with investing in the world because if the world itself, the modern world, has kind of moved on from magic and the arcane ways of doing things, then how are we supposed to reinvest in this? If everyone else is like, magic, how how long are we expecting this to last, really? Yeah. And it's something that I think I was having in the back of my mind as I was watching this that prevented me from really giving myself over to this story, immersing myself fully. We don't see enough of it. We don't see enough of it to be like, oh man, I want more of that. Right. And they could have, I mean, we're speculating here, obviously, but they could have gone to a world, a village in the mountains where the villagers still embrace the old ways of magic and they discover hidden beauty in that. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. And I'm reaching a little here. I'm going to try and bring it back to the core of what I was saying, which is what the pants represented kind of takes away from that gravitas, that mystery, that sense of we need to pursue this wonder of magic so we can get our dad back. Yeah. I I think I agree with you. Um, I think that it, it, there is something beneficial that having the bottom half of their dad brings to the story. Um, there are a couple things that he does that keeps them together and, and motivates them. Uh, but there are, there are ways that that could have been written around. I think, um, I'm thinking primarily of like the scene where he starts dancing, he feels the music and he starts dancing and it right. breaks the two brothers up from fighting. And I thought that that was probably the most use they got out of, of his right. legs, you know, mm-hmm. um, in as from a writing standpoint, but I do agree. I think, I think it's cool. Uh, what, what you said about like listening to the tape, looking at the pictures, that was all that he had. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, thinking like, Oh, that's all he ever will have. That's like a devastating thought. And I think it adds to the, tragedy then of Tom Holland's character not being able to fully see his dad. Yeah. Yeah. There's a tragedy there. And I just think that tragedy fell so short of what it could be. Yeah. Cause I wasn't sobbing at that part. I'll be honest, which is totally fine. But in my experience, I just didn't feel that emotion as poignantly as I think the story could allow for. Yeah. There's just something inside of me. And again, I don't have an immediate solution ready to offer in this recording of this episode dang it, maybe it will come back to haunt me later at night when I'm trying to go to bed and I'm just alone with my thoughts. But (laughs) I just feel like the story could have been a lot more deeper than it was. Yeah. And it's a deep story, but I just feel it could have been more impactful. And I say that as someone who isn't comparing this to any other Pixar movie or what have you, as a Pixar movie, this is pretty good. I just think it could be made great. Yeah. I think think Coco and Onward... Uh, are the two good recent Pixar movies that I can genuinely say like, yeah, I want to go back and watch those again. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the biggest, one of the bigger things that I had about this movie um, that I really appreciated um, was even though this movie was about magic, 
there was a trueness to reality and not in the world building or in the world developing, as you were saying, um, but in the execution of the ending of this movie. Um, the way that the end of this movie was executed, uh, I thought was a master stroke. I thought that the, um, the way that Barley got to talk with his dad uh, and, and Ian did not, I think yeah. was really great. And you never saw his, you never saw the dad's face. You never heard his voice, you know, in yeah. person. Um, the mystery I, is in a sense still preserved. Yes. And I think that that is a good mystery. And like you were saying, like that would have been even better if his legs weren't there the whole time, but right. um, it keeps it true to life. Um, if this were mm -hmm. the real world, Ian would have never gotten to see his dad. The yeah. only thing that's changed by the magic in this is that Barley has the courage to say goodbye to his dad whenever he wanted to. There's another important thing that the pair of pants brings about, and that is um, just the visual of it gives them opportunities to talk more about their dad and grow closer together mm. through that connection and open up yeah. about like stuff that happened, like Barley gets to open up about stuff that happened. Um, but that could have been brought out in another way. It's just more organic because the, the dad is kind of there. Another thing that it lends is it's a visual reminder of a ticking clock. Um, yeah, instead of looking true. at the sun, which is something that they still did do, um, you can just see, you know, Ian looking worriedly at the pair of pants, uh, and just thinking like, oh, he's, you know, we're running out of time here. Like there's not much time. Are they ever going to get to see him face to face? Is he ever going right. to get to look at his son? There was one other thing I wanted to touch on um, regarding uh, this movie that I think was my biggest critique of the whole thing. And I think uh, you sort of touched on some of it um, with the world building. Uh, but I would say that this world is, is fascinating, but I don't think that it was shown in the most optimal way. I think the visuals were kind of forgettable. Um, to be mm. honest with you. And this is where I'm holding Pixar to the highest of standards. They yeah. do excellent things with character design and with um, lighting and texture and realism and just like in like capturing unique things with visuals. Mm. Um, Coco, I think, is a masterful visual film. I think that there's some really interesting visuals in Coco. I think... The way that the guitar being played is articulated, the way that the the separate world is being shown, the uh, the um, the realm of the dead—I can't remember what specifically it was called—was very interesting. Um, but yeah. this world, it might have been deliberate, but this world was not visually interesting to me. Um, mm. Zootopia does a better job, I think, of saying, "What if this world met the modern world?" Uh, it does a better job. There's more adaptation to the different sizes of the different animals and right. the different media. Um, there are some subtle, fun graphic design things, I will say, in Onward that are really cool. Um, like the brand of the tape player is called Siren. Um, <laughs> there's, there's just small touches like that throughout the movie that I really like. The magic was not really portrayed in an interesting way to me. I think Pixar is always very good at developing yeah. new technical ways to visually show something abstract. That just didn't happen in this movie. Um, and most of the character designs, I would say, were pretty forgettable. Um, I think the two main mm. characters were really cool looking. Uh, the rest of them, I could, I 
you know, I don't remember, I don't remember anything remarkable about, about any of the other characters. What do you think about this, Daniel? I agree. I think the themes of fantasy could have been explored more. And I do think at the beginning and maybe at the end, but especially the beginning, I think if Pixar had restrained themselves on the wondrous elements of the old fashioned magic using days that they used to have. Yeah. I think that would have played a very good role in justifying Tom Holland's character, Ian, his skepticism towards, well, you're just nerdy about magic. Like no one does that anymore. Why are you still obsessed about it? Yeah. And then when they start uncovering this old stuff, maybe encountering, maybe when they're on the path of peril, it takes them into the treacherous lands that have kind of regained some dangerous monsters and stuff. Like when Pixar goes, if when they go back into the fantasy world part, Pixar goes all out. Yeah. To show the wonder and the magic uh, that's still there. You don't need actual magic to see the magic right. in this world. That's and a very good point. It's that's like discovering, it's like rediscovering a treasure that has since been hidden, much like the brother's journey to rediscover their treasure of their father. Yeah. And instead of instead of showing us at the beginning what the world looked like, yeah. they could have just said magic maybe happened, maybe it didn't. Who knows? Yeah. And you would and, be wondering this whole time if Barley was actually telling the truth or not but instead they show this lengthy flashback which i again i have to say this the character designs were not memorable the aesthetic of the wizards were not memorable i'm so sorry pixar i love the (laughs) landscapes they were awesome they were beautiful there's like generic cyclops generic fawn generic elf let's slap a gray beard on him right it's like oh there's you know joe schmo cyclops but yeah. he has a staff and a cloak now yeah everyone's I don't know. a mage i i just they could have done more and once again i think that if this was not supposedly a rushed job there could have been more work put into the visual development also there's a conflict in the flashback sequence i really enjoyed yeah and that was when the two wizards are there one wizard's trying to teach the other how to cast a spell he's not getting it and then he sees the light literally at the flick of a switch yes he's like oh dude this is so easy and yeah I'm like, pixar that's not very subtle of you and that's yeah. actually kind of bad writing like wow this is so much easier than magic you might you could have just looked at the camera and told us right <laughs> like <laughs> looks directly at the audience and says electricity is better yeah, I, I, I think that that was my biggest critique is just that the visuals, and I really like what you had to say about just sort of letting the audience look through the eyes of of Ian Moore and mm-hmm. say, is magic real? Is magic not real? I don't know. Right, because he looks more foolish in this movie than justified if we yeah. didn't see that flashback. And I think there are other ways you could bring about showing us the good old days. Like, magic... It, it's hard for me to see how people would so easily dismiss magic because if you learn how to master it, you can do everything and a little bit better than technology does, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. So I feel if Dan Scanlon had tapped more into the wonder of magic, then he could more easily kind of marry the themes of the story he was going for. But yeah, they're not really going all in as much as they could. Instead, it's reduced yeah. to abandoned dungeons. And I, I enjoyed some of the fantasy references. I will ta- I will say, um, as as a pretty avid D and D dork, uh, I did appreciate <laughs> some of the stuff that went on. Uh, Gelatinous cube. I was all over that. You know, right right as soon as it's mentioned, I'm like, oh shoot, that's like a seriously dangerous monster in D and D. Really? Um. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I didn't know that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. There's a divorce between 
the loss of wonder and the story about the dad. And I think that there's a way, I think you were getting at something um, with show don't tell in a way like the way they shouldn't show the dad and uh, the way that they shouldn't show this magical world. I think that there's something there about how this movie could just be better in smaller ways. But I do think Dan Scanlon does a great job of encapsulating loss and remorse and finding self-assurance in a world with without a, an ideal role model. Mm. I think that that was really great. And that's what I, that's why I love this movie. Right. Uh, and the door, you know, there's little dorky references that I like too, but that's, that's smaller. You know, I'm tempted to kind of dig more into this kind of like an inch to pitch of improve onward. Yeah. Uh, I think if we had tapped more into the full fantasy of it, then there would be this step from the modern world, which is Ian's realm into the fantasy world, which is Barley's realm. Yeah. It would have emphasized the brothers bonding a lot more. Yeah. And I think it would have having their dad as some goal instead of a physical person right next to them. It would have added something. But as you put it, the way Pixar is with their stories, it also would have taken away something and it would be a lot more effort, certainly more than this episode to think of ways to improve on this story. But I don't want anyone to think for a second that either one of us is hating on this movie. I mean, there's certainly a lot to enjoy. Yes. And Pixar could have easily done a worse job with this movie. Oh, yeah. Because we have seen examples of god-awful animated films that shouldn't have ever been up on the market <coughs> in the first place. So that being said, I think while this is a good addition into the animation film world, is it a good Pixar movie? And I think I'll leave it there for you, our fans, or lack thereof, to decide <laughs> and debate for yourselves. So all that just to say, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Daniel, and this is James, and you've been listening to our podcast, Casually Critical. Now it's time for you to go onward with the rest of your lives. Hey!